I'm excited to be joined today by Sam Kant, who's a second-year fellow at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and Tiffany Trong, who's a second-year fellow at the Keck School of Medicine at the University of Southern California. Sam, Tiffany, thank you for joining us today. If you, as you reflect back to the beginning of your um, fellowships a couple of years ago, I'm curious as to what one thing you wish you had known on day one. So, um, Sam, I'll start with you. What, what's the one thing you wish you had known that day? Um, I've kind of realized one thing that, you know, efficiency is pretty much the name of the game. Um, they, you know, habits and processes are there for a reason. You know, in the end, uh, we think that discipline at some time can be constraining, uh, but it's actually quite liberating. Um, you, you have to develop a way that you start your day say, you know, particularly getting in at a set time, adjusting it according to various commitments. And also, say, for example, how you're approaching a new consult, you know, uh, gathering how you, how you gather information about a patient from the electronic health record or any other record, for a matter of fact. Um, a haphazard way, you know, will only impede us, per se. Um, so if you develop, like, a thoughtful system by which you're, you know, approaching your day or, you know, uh, consults, as a matter of fact, I think you will be in good stead. Um, also, I think that if you combine that with diligence, you pretty much are dealing with the ultimate combination. Um, I kind of remember uh, dealing with the case of hypercalcemia one evening, um, staffing it with the attending um, and thinking that I had it all going. But next morning, um, the attending, who I kind of look up to uh, quite a bit, came back and said, yeah, that's not probably why the patient has hypercalcemia. And he's pretty much gone through records uh, from 2004 for that patient. So I think it makes a very big difference. Um, to combine efficiency with diligence, I think, um, it's probably the best way forward. And, and Tiffany, what about you? What did, what do you wish you had known from day one? Yeah, I definitely agree with Sam about time uh, management and efficiency being a major, uh, major skill to develop. Um, I think that's something that uh, you think you're only going to do once when you start intern year <laughs> of residency, and then you find yourself kind of all back at it um, in the beginning again, at the uh, beginning of your fellowship, um, in a new system, learning a new field. So in a way, you're like a, you're a big fish in a small pond, and then now you're a small fish in a bigger pond again. Um, so it learning how to manage your time and um, learning how to navigate new systems is definitely a skill that I think as physicians we have to learn over and over. Personally, something that I found was um, helpful to, to know and to learn over the course of my first year is to seek out mentors. For me, that um, you know really set up, I think, my development as a nephrology fellow and my skills and my knowledge base is knowing um, who in your program um, you you should ask for specific questions. I think um, there are so many subspecialties and so many other subtopics in our field, and there are many mentors that are available, both um, institutionally and um, from a national or even international uh, perspective. So we're, we're able to reach out to a lot of different people and uh, connecting with those people, I think, helps you to, to grow as a fellow. We, we're only here for two years. And so um, kind of hitting the ground running is um, it's very important. So to that point about mentors, and, and uh, I'm impressed that you're thinking about it both in the institution, but also more broadly at a national level or an international level. 
what's the time frame? So, you know, if it's if it's your first month of fellowship and you're getting to to know the institution and you're starting to get to know who the key players are, both in terms of the faculty, but also your fellow, you know, the, the other fellows, how do you start thinking about sort of identifying mentors and, and starting to, to build those relationships? I think it's, uh, you know, it can be a mix of actually planned meetings and serendipity. Um, you know, we don't actually realize that people are quite eager to help us more than we think, you know, I mean, both from and outside the institution. Um, you know, I've had the fortune of meeting, um, you know, mentors at just chance, like there've been chance meetings at just, uh, you know, say the ASM Kidney Week um, or a local conference that I would go to, or as a matter of fact, even Twitter, um, you know, so I think there's so many opportunities at this point. And I think ASN per se plays a very big role in this because, um, you know, I happened to apply for an internship on the Media and Communications Committee and I got connected to nearly 20 mentors. So I think the onus is on you, no doubt about that. But there's also so many people out there who are so eager to help. So, you know, I don't think anyone should have any inhibition about approaching people, you know, for even topics that you'd be interested in and uh, getting help on something. I, I agree. I think as far as the, the time period for when to seek them out, I would do it on the first day. Um, even in this um, this period where everything is virtual, there's still um, an orientation period where you talk with your program director who knows uh, everybody who's in your institution who can um, mentor you in whatever field that you might be interested in. And um, your program director would be able to, you know, tell you this is the person that you should talk to. This is the person who's interested in the same type of research that you're interested in. And certainly, um, for me personally, having, um, I joined the Nephrology Social Media um, Collective uh, in January, um, that connected me with a whole other group of mentors, and they were pivotal to me learning many other skills, a whole set of other skills as well. So Tiffany, I'm just curious when when it, this you'd mentioned developing new skills. I'm curious about a skill that you may have de- developed over the last two years that you can't you couldn't have even have imagined as a potential something you would have needed to know how to do when you started. Um, I think the, the the amount of autonomy that you have as a fellow is very unique, and it's very different than residency, where you generally work in teams, and as a fellow you. Um, you guide a, another set of team, a, a team of residents and students, um, but you you have a lot more autonomy, you make a lot more decisions, and you're also responsible for other people's education. So I think as an um, educator, uh, that is a, a skill that you pick up in residency but really becomes more refined um, in your fellowship as you delve into um, a lot more specialized knowledge. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, Tiffany. Um, one of the things I've actually thought about as well is that the way we learn as well changes quite a bit. Um, you know, I think even changing your routine in, in response to, say, micro-learning, um, something that um, Gurpreet Dhaliwal from UCSF says, you know, we're very busy and we're expected to be busy uh, on console service, but I think spending that time um, to learn things um, having a focused, um, you know, learning pattern, I think it's something, of course, you you start that in residency, but I think it's a lot more pertinent to, um, you know, fellowship and especially in a fellowship because the, the material is very dense um, and vast. 
and you want to make sure that you're learning quickly. So um, I think I've definitely refined the way I learn things. And I think micro learning and trying to also reflect on, on it a lot has definitely something that I've changed on. Sam, how much have you been able to personalize your fellowship in terms of directing or spending time in the areas you're most interested in? Um, I think, you know, uh, my program per se has been very flexible about um, personalizing it per se, because in the end, um, you know, you have interests that you want to refine. And I think um, it's, like I said, you know, I think it's the onus is on you um, based on the discussions that you would have with your program leadership. Um, it is, it, it can be pretty um, seamless as well, but um, having that plan from the get-go or even devising a plan, I think would be very important. Um, knowing what you want to achieve uh, from your fellowship, you know, whether it is um, going into transplant, um, going into say, even critical care, or even now the new pathway of palliative medicine, um, so, you know, even the interests, uh, you know, have to align with what you want to do in the future. So I think um, program discussion with program leadership is extremely vital, I feel. Uh, I agree. I think that as you go into fellowship, um, there's, there are even subspecialties. And I think every one of my co-fellows in my program um, has a slightly different uh, interest and slightly different track that they want to pursue. And so personalizing your path and knowing what your goal is right when you come in um, is very important. Um, for me personally, I knew that I wanted to do transplant nephrology coming in and um, connecting with the transplant uh, team and knowing that I wanted to do my QI project in transplant. It, it sets you up for success to let people know what your goal is and being clear about it from the beginning. If you were in a position where you could influence all the residents in the United States and say, you need to pursue nephrology and here's why, what, what's your case? I would actually, you know, I, I take a page out of what um, Akil Gawande once said in, uh, in one of my favorite articles that he wrote, and it's called uh, Heroism of um, Incremental Care. I think nephrology is, is kind of unique in the fact that in many ways you're a long-term comrade to your patients, you know, say progressing from AKI to CKD to dialysis and the eventual, um, you know, life-saving transplant as well. Um, I think very few specialties offer that to you. I think a lot of us get into medicine uh, for the people aspect of it. And, you know, nephrology completely fits the bill when it comes to that. Um, so in many ways, um, you are providing incremental care to these patients. Yet you're also very comfortable in a setting like critical care, you know, as, as Apple Gawande says, we tend to reward um, specialties that have a lot of heroism and, you know, one stroke and everything's good. You know, you look after things in, in one shot itself. But I think nephrology combines both those things, incremental care and the heroism of uh, critical care. Tiffany? Yeah, I see that all the time um, in our consult service. We, we combine our um, ESKD patients, our end-stage kidney uh, disease patients, as well as our critical care um, patients. And so we see both at the same time. We see people who we see again and again, um, our chronic patients, as well as the people who are acutely sick um, who may recover. And you can see a, a broad range of pathophysiology from you know, intoxication to um, rhabdomyolysis um, to more chronic things. 
had asked at the beginning kind of, you know, your advice to, to people who are starting their fellowship um, this month. I'm, I'm just kind of curious as to, well, how about, the, how, how about if I ask it this way? What's, what's the, what's your biggest mistake or biggest regret or something that if you could avoid, you didn't need to learn by experience? Um, something that I've learned over time, for sure, um, especially towards um, ed- end of residency, going on to fellowship, I think, um, we sometimes tend to get, you know, kind of drowned in our own opinion of things. You know, I think, um, you know, promoting, you know, trying to promote your own individual self to, you know, go out there and, and, and get the answers. And we t- tend to kind of get very closed off to, you know, say, feedback or uh, opinion from the outside. So, you know, I think it's very important to to seek if you're even if you're seeing a consult, don't be thinking that this is just this what I'm thinking. Be open to, you know, if even a, if a, even if a medical student or a resident comes in and says, you know, I think it could be this, maybe you could consider that. Be open to that because in the end, you know, um as we've discussed, medicine is a team sport. Um, you know, and and as a consult service, you could easily fall into the trap of thinking that yeah, this is what it is, and this is my, what my diagnosis is. But you know, I think the moment you fall into that, there are a lot of mistakes that can happen. So just to make sure that you're listening to others, wh- whichever stage of training they're at. Tiffany, just curious as to your yeah. So for for me personally, I think shifting from um, residency into fellowship, uh, especially with nephrology, a unique um, aspect of the care is that you're now a consultant service. And uh, as a consultant, you're used to giving recommendations. But I would say to keep in mind that the the patient is still yours. And I think um, it's important not to forget that even as a consultant, you still have to, to follow up on um, follow up on things, treat the patient as, you know, as if you were primary. So Tiffany, I'm, I'm wondering, I'd, I'd like to invite you to ask Sam a question. What, 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 what do you want to know from him that I haven't asked? It seemed like you do a lot of reading and was there any um, book, um, you know, outside of just your fellowship that has, you know, changed the way that you, you practice? I think, I think turning to you know, turn, I think moving when you're when you're say you're done with a tough day um, at work or something. I think having an outlet, um, I found I find reading really centers me um, and keeps me going. I you know I don't think you should read only on medicine, but I think um, reading reflections from other people who've been in your place in medicine really helps um, and consolidates why you're there and changes the way you're thinking. So. You know, it doesn't have to be only be reading that you have to be picking up, but take an outlet that you know, inspires you to go back to work over and over. But for me, I have to say it has been reading as much as I like to say uh, and as much as I'd like to read. But uh, yeah, I think the bottom line is having an outlet um, so that you can go back to work fully inspired. Uh, well, what practices do you think, what habits make a good mentee? We, we've talked about how, you know, you can look for a mentor and when you should look for a mentor, how you should look for a mentor. But as um as a mentee and as a fellow as a trainee how what what are the habits that you should you should have i think tenacity is one of them um you know a lot of your mentors will be busy um it doesn't mean that you have to keep reaching out to them over and over but i think with your own efforts um you have to be tenacious in making sure you get things through i think mentors really um you know pick up on this um 
on this trade for Menti that yes, you know, they're tenacious enough to go after what they want um, and what they care about. And uh, I think that's something that's really important in a mentee because in the mentors, you know, they, you know, they're up there. Um, they have a lot of commitments themselves. So, you know, I think a mentee should not expect um, just constant encouragement per se. I think something, there's some effort in your part um, and something that you should always be conscious of. So Sam, it's only fair. Do you have a question for Tiffany? Yeah, I, I promise it'll only be one, Tiffany, it won't be two. Um, <laughs> so I think a lot of people might not know this. Tiffany is also a very accomplished writer. Um, she keeps on going on and on about me reading, but actually Tiffany writes really well. Um, so Tiffany, um, how much do you think um, writing helps you uh, as a doctor, um, as many doctors before you have, have done? Uh, and what advice would you have to budding medical writers? Personally, I found that it's helped a lot. And actually, I can bring up some of my own um, outside reading, outside of nephrology reading here. With um, There's a piece by George Orwell that impacted me a lot um, way back in the day. <laughs> it's called Politics and the English Language. And it talks about clarity of thought as well as clarity of speech. And I think that in medicine and in fellowship, it's very important to be to be very clear when you communicate and when you express yourself to others. Not just um, when you're writing a piece or writing an article, whether it's um, an article in a in a published journal, but also when you're communicating with other people, when you're picking up the phone, calling consult, or giving recommendations, and when you're writing a note. I think um, it's really important to extract the important information and to express it in a way that um, really gets to the heart of the matter and um, does the best for, for understanding what the problem is for an individual patient or for a larger issue. So I'm struck that you've both raised reading and writing and how important sort of outside outlets are. And if it's those two or, or others, that, that that's another sort of habit for um successful um, fellows. Uh, I'm curious on this issue of sort of physicians as writers. Um, you know, someone like William Carlos Williams obviously comes to mind, um, um, Robert Stone. I mean, there's, there's a number. I'm just curious as to who some of your favorites would be. Um, as I mentioned, I think Atul Gawande is probably um, uh, my favorite. I think, uh, as Tiffany mentioned, to, I think to distill uh, thoughts with such clarity and simplicity. Um, you know, of course, there are great medical writers out there, but for me, I think, um, you know, no one else does it better than him. I hope he's listening to this podcast so that, you know, he'll take me on as a, as a mentee. Sam, Tiffany, thank you. Sincerely, this has been great. And, and I look forward to, to finding a time where we can have a follow-up podcast in the near future. Yeah, you know, absolutely look forward to that. Thank you. Thank you very much. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug changing your diet, 
before commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.